Good evening, how we all doing? Doing good? All right, all right. Well, it is good to be back after a couple weeks of uh, having Bill last week uh, talking on the holiness of God. Loved hearing uh, his words of wisdom and thoughts on that. Tonight, we are actually gonna be uh, moving on into another attribute of God that's pretty deep and the one that I don't think we hear very often, all right? And I'll get to that in a minute. But in the meantime, grab your Bibles. We are gonna be in the book of Jonah tonight, all right? I know, Old Testament, here we go. Uh, If you need to look at the the table of contents, feel free. Um, It's a very small, it's only four chapters, and in my Bible, it's only two pages, and so it's easily missed, but we're gonna be in the book of Jonah. As you get there, I I need some crowd participation here for a minute. Um, Think about your experience as drivers, driving your automobile, right, driving your car. How many, show of hands, how many of you have ever been like almost hit by another driver or cut off in an aggressive manner? Raise your hands. All right, all right. The majority of us, yes. We know that. We know that experience. How many of you in this room have ever actually gotten to seeing instant justice when that happens, where like a cop was right behind them and they, oh, a couple? All right, all right. Very nice. Man, I, I'm, I'm longing for that day. All right, now let's, let's turn it back on ourselves. How many of you guys have ever been pulled over for a traffic violation. We got some aggressive hand raisers. All right, like, yes, that's me. All right, how many of you have ever been, let's, let's, let's just have some fun. How many of you guys have ever been pulled over more than two times? Raise your hands. Okay. Wait, hold on, let's back up. How many of you have never been pulled over before, ever? Liars. <laughs> Liars. <laughs> all right, all right, let's, let's keep going. How many of you have been pulled over more than five times? All right, numbers are dwindling, but there's some proud offenders out there. All right, well, so we're not gonna go any farther. We don't wanna shame anybody too bad, but here, here's, here's what I wanna ask. So whether you are the one that has been offended and you get to see some instant justice, a cop pulls somebody over right when they did it wrong, and you're like, yes, like you've seen, you've probably seen these videos on social, right? Where, where people are posting the instant justice that they see. You know, somebody beats on their window and pulls a, you know, a cop and is like, oh, here we go. Here's the reality, though. No one ever posts the video of instant justice that happens to them, right? It's always somebody else, like, oh, gotcha. Here's why, Here, here's why. When, when we are driving and we either get pulled over or whatever, is it, like we want justice for the person that cut us off. We want them to get what's coming to them right, because they've caused us fear or they hit our car or whatever. But we don't want justice when it's us who is pulled over. We want what? We want mercy and grace, right? That's what we want. So we want justice for everybody else and we want mercy for us. Because when we start thinking about these two ideas, they kind of seem like they don't go together, right? You either get what's coming your way, justice, or you get off scot-free and you get grace and mercy. And so it just dawns on me that everybody wants justice until they're the one standing in front of the judge, right? And so tonight, what we're gonna talk about is these two things, that God is just and at the same time, he is merciful. Even those those two things, they seem to be incompatible in our mind and in our experience. 
that you cannot hold both at the same time. It is either justice or it is mercy. And we feel that every time we get pulled over because we all want mercy in that moment or for the person to cut us off, we want justice. We want instant justice. So before we get into tonight and get into the, the story of Jonah, I wanna define some terms tonight. Um, and I'm gonna go through these slowly because these are terms that I think in some way, shape, or form have been hijacked, uh, misrepresented uh, from God's word. And I, but they're very, they're extremely eternally important to understand these words. All right, and the first term is justice. Like we all have ideas of what justice is. Here's the definition that I wanna use tonight. God's justice is always doing what is morally right, fair, and good. God's justice is always doing what is morally right, good, and fair. Now I threw in there to make sure it's God's justice that is always morally good, right, and fair. Because our justice is not always that way. Human justice is not always that way. The next term I wanna talk about, because you can't talk about justice without also talking about wrath or judgment. Told you we don't talk about this much. We're gonna get into it tonight, all right? Here's the definition. Wrath or judgment, same, same idea, is God's reasonable and necessary response to sin. God's wrath is his reasonable and necessary response to sin. Now this whole series, we've been talking about God is. And notice what I'm talking about tonight, what I just told you is God is what? He is just and he is merciful. I said nothing about wrathful. You see, God's wrath is not an attribute of who he is. It is contingent on sin that arouses God's wrath. If there is no sin, there is no wrath. There is no judgment if there is no sin. And so we need to make a distinction there that God's wrath is not the core of his character. I think that is a, a lie that the enemy has sown in our world, that God is just angry and he is wrathful, right? Like we, we give the Old Testament that, that, uh, that idea that, oh, the God of the Old Testament is, is just angry and wrathful and angry, you know, whatever. Here, newsflash, God does not change. And so the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. In fact, when you look up the words for mercy and the, the, the descriptors of God's mercy, there is four times the amount of mercy discussed in the Old Testament regarding God than in the New Testament. And so that is a lie that we need to dispel tonight, is that yes, God is just, but you cannot talk about justice if we don't also talk about judgment. They go together. All right, does that make sense? And then the third one that I wanna look at is this, mercy. Forgiving the sinner and, without, with, and withholding the punishment that is justly deserved. Mercy is the forgiving of the sinner and withholding the punishment that is justly deserved. And so we're gonna walk through, we're gonna use all these terms tonight as we walk through the story of Jonah. But before we do, if you're new tonight or you haven't been with us in this series, 
Um, right off the top, when we started talking about God is good and God is love and God is trustworthy, we, we brought up this challenge. And this is the challenge that we have every week that we come to another attribute of who God is, is that we don't over-personify God. That when we think about these terms, justice, wrath, judgment, mercy, that we don't automatically think, well, humanity's justice is God's justice. And humanity's judgment and wrath is, that's God's wrath. And that our mercy and grace must be God's mercy and grace. That's not true. And so what we've heard every week is, God, and we heard this last week, is that God is holy. He is completely other than. He is set apart from humanity. And so when we bring up these terms, like God is good, it's a different kind of good. He is good. He just doesn't, he just doesn't do good things. He is good. And he doesn't just act loving. He is love. He is the creator of it. He's the originator of it. And so when we think about these words, justice, wrath, and mercy, we have to remember that these are holy identities. It is his holy justice and his holy wrath and judgment and it is his holy mercy. And that's the challenge we have as we look at these things is to somehow get out of our own experience with humanity because humanity, we have an idea of justice because we are created in God's image. That's why we desire it and we want it so badly. But there is not one area of our world where when justice is served, that someone feels like that is unjust. Not enough or too much. So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna walk us through the book of, we're gonna go through the whole book of Jonah tonight. Not verse by verse. We'll be here for a couple hours. It's honestly not that long, but I wanna give you a little, a little heads up. So Jonah is a prophet of God, which means he is a messenger between God and people. And so Jonah gets a word from the Lord and he's told to go to this place called Nineveh. And Nineveh was, you may know from history, the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire were known to be extremely brutal and terrible people. Like the things that they would do to their enemies was just almost unspeakable. We're talking um, child sacrifice, we're talking when they take over a town, um, to show their dominance and to intimidate anyone that would think about coming against them. They would put people still alive on stakes outside the city to die. And they would leave them there for the birds to pick at for weeks. The Assyrians were not good people. And Jonah had some feelings towards the Assyrians because they were the enemies of Israel. And so here's, I'm just gonna walk you through this story really quick and then we're gonna come back and kind of dip down into the actual text. So Jonah gets a word from the Lord, and the Lord says, hey, I have seen the wickedness of Nineveh. And so I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach against Nineveh, meaning I want you to declare judgment and wrath on Nineveh. Go preach against them. And Jonah's like, um, thanks, but no thanks. I'm gonna go the other way, all right? Nineveh would have been east, he goes west. And you guys probably, if you grew up in church, you know this story. Probably if you don't even grow up, you know this, know this story. The entire second chapter is about Jonah being on a boat, being tossed overboard, eaten and swallowed by the giant fish, and then thrown up on the beach. And then in chapter three, it picks up with saying, and God spoke to Jonah a second time. 
And he said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach against them because I have seen their wickedness. And so Jonah relents. He says, okay, I'll go. He doesn't wanna go and we'll get to that in a minute, why he didn't wanna go. And so he goes to Nineveh. Nineveh is a huge, huge city. It takes three days to walk across is what scripture says. And it says a day, and a, a day into his journey, into the, the heart of Nineveh, he speaks the message of God. And he says, in 40 days, this city will be overtaken or overrun. Means you got 40 days. And surprisingly, plot twist here, the people listen. And it says they believed in God and the, the, the message got to the king of, of Assyria. And then the king says, okay, I believe we're all gonna fast. No one's gonna eat. No one's gonna drink. We are going to put on sackcloth and ashes and we are going to mourn our sin and we are gonna stop doing what we used to do and we are gonna plead with the Lord. And it says, God saw what they did and he relented and did not do what he had threatened. And then old Jonah does not like this. <laughs> and he complains to the Lord. He's like, I don't like what's happening. And it, made, it says it made him angry. And so he goes out and pouts on a hillside and watches to see what happens. Jonah's, he's a piece of work. But here's the deal. The story of Jonah, the main point of Jonah is not about a big fish. VBS has told us wrong all of these years. It, it's not about that. I mean, it's a cool moment and there's some really cool things about it, but the, the heart of the story of Jonah is the justice and the mercy of God. That is the story of Jonah. Is that God saw the wickedness of Nineveh and he said, I am going to act because I am good and everything I do is right. And so I'm going, I, I can't not respond to the wickedness, Right? And so we go back to verse one of Jonah chapter one. It says this, the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So my first point this morning is that God is just. You see, the Ninevites were a wicked and brutal people and God saw their wickedness and he had to act because he is justice. He is just. He didn't choose to be just, he is. In the face of atrocities and wickedness, he has to be who he is. And I think sometimes when we start talking about these words like God's justice and God's wrath, like I don't know about you, but I get a little bit uneasy. I don't know why, I think it's just probably the, the, the narrative that we've gotten growing up as, as children, the way that this is talked about in our culture, but we shouldn't be. We shouldn't feel weird about this. We shouldn't feel weird that God is just and that he has justice and that he is a judge and he has, he has wrath. Like that should not be something we're like, eh. why? Because he's good. He is loving. It's not, it's who he is, it's not what he does. And the reality of it is, is we love justice. Like we love it. When we see it, we celebrate it. Like, think about the movies we watch and the books we read. Like, we love stories of justice where a wrong is made right. One of my favorite actors is Denzel Washington. Every movie that I've seen him in, I haven't seen all of them, but I love the movies that he's in. 
And there are two specific movies I was thinking about when I was putting this together. And that was this movie called Training Day. You guys seen that movie? It's, it's a little older, but it's, it's a story where Denzel Washington is the veteran police officer and he's training the new guy for 24 hours and you just follow them through their day. And it starts to get really uncomfortable because you start to realize that Denzel's character, although he is a policeman, he is a corrupt policeman. The very person that is supposed to bring justice was bringing injustice. And you feel weird because of that, because the character's doing something that that's not who they are, that's not who they're supposed to be. And then I watched just last week this movie called Equalizer. And it is, I mean, it's, it's awesome. All right, you got bad guys. Denzel's character works at like the Home Depot. And he, and he starts, and he has this history that you don't know about, right? But all of a sudden, he can just whoop up on anybody at any time. Like 10 people at a time. And so what he starts to do, spoiler alert, sorry, is he starts to find all these injustices that are happening, and he goes and makes them right. In the whole movie, you're like, yeah, let's go. You know, I mean, it's just Batman, superheroes. Like, we love justice. It's in our Pledge of Allegiance. Justice for all. And so this idea that God is just does not need to be, nor should it be, weird or uncomfortable. It is actually what we want and who he is. Psalm 89, 14 says this, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. It means his kingdom is built on righteousness and justice. You see, God always acts according to who he is, and that is with justice. It is the natural expression of his holiness to act justly. Remember, we said that God's holiness always sets him apart from anything that is evil or, or with, that has sin in it. So his justice is without sin. The justice we see in this world can't be without it because we're people living in a fallen world. But we can trust God's justice because it is without sin. You see, the only reason that God's justice might cause us to feel uncomfortable, if we're really honest, is because we disagree with what he's doing or how he's doing it. That's the part that gets uncomfortable, right? When we start to sit and be like, well, God, I don't know about that. You should probably act a little faster or do this a little different. We start projecting onto God how we would dispense justice. That's when it gets a little weird. That's when it gets uncomfortable. And we can take some solace in the fact that Jonah is not too different. In chapter four, verse one, after it says that the people of Nineveh repented, they turned from their evil behavior and they said, hey, let's, let's pray and let's fast and let's go before the Lord to see if he would relent. And they repent and he relents. And in verse four, or chapter four, verse one, it says, but Jonah, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry. Jonah said, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Like Jonah is a piece of work, man. He's a piece of work. He gets mad at God. He goes and sits on a hill and pouts and hopes and just sits back to watch. Like he's that guy that's like, like Jonah's like, am I the drama? 
Yeah, you're the drama, Jonah. You are, that's you. Like he's doing it. And we look at him, we're like, you know what? He's not too different than we are. We see how God runs things. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. And sometimes we would do it differently. But we can trust God's justice because he is without sin. Everything that he does is good and fair because he is without sin. Jonah wasn't against justice. He was absolutely for it, and that's all he wanted. And that's a scary thing. He didn't want any mercy. You see, justice without mercy is just mean. But justice that's only loving, that's just sentimentality and powerless. And so, man, it's a, it's a really, it's really good thing that we are not the arbiters of justice. Because here's the deal. I don't want you to be the one who judges me, and you don't want me to be the one who judges you. Like right now in our world, in the, in, in the capital of our, of our nation, they are talking about a new Supreme Court justice. And everybody's up in arms. Why? Because they want a particular kind of justice. A justice that will do things the way we think they should be done. And so even the highest courts of our world, the justice is unjust to at least 50% of the people. And so I'm really thankful, thank God, that we are not the arbiters of justice. But God's justice is an extension of his love and his goodness and his holiness. Isaiah 55, eight says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my, or are my ways, declares the Lord. Thank God for God's justice. Thank God for his justice. Because it is, it is not emotional. It's principled. One more thing about God's justice before we move on is that justice isn't justice and it's not loving if there is no judgment. Let me say that again because I want this to soak in. Justice isn't justice and it is not loving if there is no judgment. Here's what I mean by that. You guys have probably grown up around somebody whose parents never said no to them. They got whatever they want, whenever they want, and they're now terrible, spoiled brat people, right? We all probably know somebody like this. Like they would, do, they would get in trouble, but they would actually not actually get in trouble. They'd break the rules, but they would let them go. Like we see this happen all the time. There's certain people in our society, if they break the rules, the rules different for them. And so justice isn't justice, and it's absolutely not loving if there is no judgment. And so we have, we can't move past God's, God is just without also talking about his wrath or judgment. I use the word judgment there because I think the word wrath has been co-opted in our culture. So I want you to think of those two things the same way. Judgment and wrath are the same thing. So we think the wrath of God, we think the judgment of God. Remember, the, the, the definition is wrath is God's reasonable and necessary response to sin. And we can't over-personify God here. Follow me, follow me. I want, and listen carefully. God's wrath 
is not reckless rage. God's wrath is not unhinged and uncontrollable anger. God's judgment is not senseless fury or unjust vengeance. The judgment and wrath of God is a precise and controlled response to the belittling of his holiness. The judgment and wrath of God is a precise and controlled response to the belittling of his holiness. You see, I think we live in a world that thinks, well, God's just wrathful. He's just throwing down uh, lightning and fire and brimstone. Like, he's just angry. I'm gonna get you. Like, I grew up believing that 100%. That's why I was a well-behaved child. But what never connected to me is that God's wrath is connected to his justice, is that he is just, and when he sees sin, he can't not act. Just like if, like I'm a dad, right? I got lots of kids. If someone were to intentionally um, hurt my children, I would have to act. It would be loving to defend. It would be loving to exact justice. Everyone who is under the wrath and judgment of God in eternity will not be there because God lost his temper with them or mistreated them. Let me say that one more time. Everyone who is under the judgment of God in eternity will not be there because God lost his temper and flew off the handle or mistreated them. It will be because they have rejected God's loving kindness shown through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. As C.S. Lewis said, hell, the, the door to hell is locked from the inside that we have a choice in this life to say, I'm gonna do it my way or I'm going to do it your way. And when we say, I'm gonna do it my way, you wanna know a scary thing? In Romans chapter one, three different times in, chapter, in verse 24, 26, and 28, we get a very specific image of God's wrath, his judgment. And it isn't something he does to you. It is something he releases you to do. It says three times in 24, Romans 1, 24, Romans 1, 26, and Romans 1, 28, that God will deliver them over to the desires of their heart. You see, the wrath of God, from Paul's perspective in Romans 1, is that he will cease to deliver you from your desires, and he will give you over to them. He will take his hands off of you and say, you want it your way? You may have it your way. You see, God doesn't force things on us. He invites us in, and we were given a choice. And so that's why it makes sense that God's judgment and wrath is his reasonable and necessary response to sin. Again, everybody wants justice until they are the ones standing before the judge, and then everyone wants mercy. The hard truth is that we are deserving of God's judgment because of our sin and because God is holy and he is just and there is no evil in him. And so our sin has separated us from the Lord. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. You ready for it? 
he is also merciful. He is not just just, he is merciful. Meaning he is eager and willing to withhold that which we deserve. Let's look at Jonah chapter three, verse 10. It says, when God saw that they did, what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home, that I, this is what I tried to forestall or pause by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew, I knew that you'd be gracious, merciful, same word, and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. You see, Jonah didn't run to Tarshish and get eaten by a big fish because he just didn't like Nineveh. Did you catch this? Jonah ran because he wanted the justice of God to be the only option for Nineveh. And he said, you know what, I'm gonna go this way because I know if I go that way, you will offer mercy. And I don't want mercy, I want justice. Like he said, he goes, I knew. He goes, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So my second point is simply this, God is merciful. God is merciful. Mercy is what we want and what God delights in giving. Mercy is what we want and God delights in giving. Think about justice and mercy, the same is true for both. We want justice and we want mercy and God delights in giving justice and he delights in giving mercy. You see, they repented and God relented. Psalm 145, eight and nine says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. That doesn't sound like an angry God to me. It sounds like a brokenhearted God for a lost and broken people. That he says, I want you back. Jonah was angry at what had happened because he wanted justice only, not so with God. In 2 Peter 3.9, the apostle Peter writes, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise of justice, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Even the Ninevites, he said, I do not wish one to perish, Some people say God is not patient. I would say he has a lifetime of patience for you. A lifetime of patience. God is holding back his wrath and judgment because of his mercy that no one would perish. I love Ephesians 2, 3, 4, and 5. says this, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's who we are, by nature. 
But because of his great love for us, God who is what? Rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. When we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. You see, God is rich in mercy. It's not just who he is, he's got all kinds of it. He's not stingy, he's not cheap with it, he is rich in mercy. He delights in mercy. He is, his mercy has brought us from death to life. That's why it's not an issue of God evaluating us, it's an issue of God saving us. We are lost. Our trajectory is lost, and so he saves us. When we stand before the judgment seat of Jesus one day, it is not to be evaluated. He has offered salvation to save us from the trajectory that we are naturally on. God's mercy is also available to all who believe. Oh wait, I forgot, Micah 7, 18. Check this out. Another Old Testament prophet writes this. Who is a God like you? who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance, you do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. He delights in showing mercy. He is not an angry God who is delighting in being angry and vengeful. That, that is a lie. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible delights in justice, and he delights in mercy, and he's rich in it and offers salvation. And God's mercy is available to all. Jonah 3.10 says, when God saw that they what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. The whole city was saved because of their repentance. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God's mercy is available to everyone. In Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, judgment, but the gift of God is eternal life, mercy in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is both just and merciful. And at first glance, I get it, these two things seem incompatible, but because, because justice, to be true, there needs to be a dispensing of punishment for wrongdoing. But mercy is all about not getting what we deserved in punishment. So it seems that in order to get mercy, justice needs to be ignored, right? Because that's why when we get pulled over, right, and we, and we hand our, our license and we hand out our, our insurance, we are hoping for justice or, or we're hoping for mercy, right? But in order for that officer to actually extend you mercy, he has to ignore justice, God can't do that because he is just. God cannot do anything opposite of who he is. Does that make sense? We're asking the officer, say, would you please ignore justice and just give me mercy? God is incapable of doing that. His justice demands a response. Romans 3.23, watch this. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are, made, are, are justified, made right, freely by his grace 
through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, justice. A penalty had to be paid through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness, his justice. Because in his patience, his forbearance, he had left the sins committed before and unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just. And the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Mercy. My third and last point tonight is that God's justice and his mercy are reconciled at the cross. Guys, this is the magnificence of Easter. Like we are coming up on Easter in a couple weeks and this is incredible. This is absolutely incredible. You get pulled over, the officer has to ignore the justice in order to deliver mercy. God says, I've got a better way. Because on the cross, the justice of God is met. The punishment is paid by his very own son, Jesus. The penalty is paid. And in the midst of the justice being paid, we get mercy. It is the blood of Christ that washes away sin. And so God is just and he is merciful on the cross. They come together in this magnificent crescendo that only God could write. Romans 5, 9. Since we have now been justified, made right by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? There is no ignoring justice because God is just. He cannot act in opposition to who he is. There is no setting aside of justice to make room for mercy. Instead, God's justice is satisfied on the cross as Christ bore the punishment for our sin that we might receive mercy and be saved. Whoo! Guys, that's Easter. That's what Easter's about. It's the display of his justice and his mercy coming together for you and for me and for all of the world. And so God is just. God is merciful. And God's justice and mercy are reconciled at the cross of Christ. We want justice. but we also want mercy. And it is only through Jesus that we get both. You see, God is who he is. We can trust his mercy and we can trust his justice because what we've already covered, he is good and he is loving and he is trustworthy and he is personal and he is holy and he is just. So what do we do with this? What is required of us as followers of Jesus tonight? I wanna offer three things that's required of us when we look at the justice and the mercy of God. Number one, I wanna encourage you, challenge you, if you're not a believer, to repent and believe in Jesus. Like we can learn something from the terrible people of Nineveh. They heard the message of God from Jonah and they repented. They moved away from their evil activity and they turned to God in humility. That's what it means to follow Christ is that we would surrender our lives to him, 
and we would walk forward in his mercy, humbly surrendering every day, everything in our life, say, you are king. And we let Jesus cover us. Secondly, I wanna challenge you to trust in God's goodness and justice in the face of a world of great injustice. We see it all the time. I think one of the hardest things about the generation that you're growing up in is we see injustice all the time. And we say, God, why, what's going on? Why, why would you not come and do this and do it differently, right? Remember Second Peter, he's like, some say he's slow, but he is patient because his mercy says, I don't want anyone to perish. But here's the promise that we can cling to, both in Revelation, but here in 2 Corinthians 5. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And here's the deal. When you are in Christ, when you stand before the judgment seat, innocence, because you were covered in the blood of Christ. But for those who have done it their way and belittled the holiness of God and rejected the loving kindness of God, they will stand before the Lord one day. People like Vladimir Putin, who are killing innocent people, they will stand before the judge one day on their own with nothing else other than what they've done. And so yes, we live in a world of injustice, but because God is merciful, he waits but his justice will be met one day. And each one of us will stand before Jesus all by ourselves, without our friends, without our family, without our sweatshirt and our Christian t-shirts, and we will stand before him. And so I wanna encourage you in a world of injustice, trust the goodness of God and his justice. He will take care of it one day. He will make every wrong right and then lastly, I wanna go back to the Old Testament to Micah 6, verse eight. It says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you, Christian? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so I wanna challenge you to do justice. What does that mean? It means we step into this world and say, I'm gonna make things right. I'm gonna do things the way that God would have them be done because God is good and he is faithful and he is trustworthy. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk in a way that, that redeems the language. I'm gonna spend my time in a way that pleases the Lord. I'm gonna treat people, whether they're friend or foe, the way that God would treat them with mercy. When we see wrong, we do everything we can to make it right. That we would love mercy, we'd be a people of mercy because we have received great mercy. And when we don't know what to do, or we disagree with maybe what God's doing in our life, we walk humbly with him, saying your way is the right way. God, help me to trust you. And so we do justice, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with our God. You see, the cross of Christ being the symbol of Christianity is crazy. It's the worst symbol ever. It was, it's a symbol of shame, of guilt, of punishment, 
But you know why it's the most wonderful symbol? Because it is a symbol of mercy and justice. That there is a problem and God said, I'm not just gonna leave you with the problem, I'm going to make a way to fix it. It's like that coach, though those of you who played sports, right? That said, hey, you're doing this wrong, but here, this is what we're gonna do to fix it, the cross. This is what's wrong with the world. It deserves judgment, but I'm gonna make a way. I'm gonna send my son and he's gonna fix it all, so follow him. And so we can rest tonight not in fear of God's justice or in fear of his judgment, but in hopeful, joyous praise because he is good in his justice and he is right and fair for you, not against you. And so who is God? He is a lot of things, but he is also just and merciful. And so whenever we see the cross, we need to remember that it is the cross where his justice and his mercy met. And we celebrate that. We walk in wonderful hope and God invites you into that. He invites you in. Come, follow me. And I will give you life and life to the full and your sins will be forgiven. And I will heal your wounds. I will be close to the brokenhearted. That is who God is. So we're gonna leave these up on the screen for about 120 seconds. If you're new, this is what we do. We just leave these here, give you a chance to, to process, to pray for a moment. And so, and then Jason and the, and the team will come back up and lead us in worship. Let's pray. Lord, I wanna thank you. God, thank you for your justice. Thank you that, that who you are is good, right, and fair. God, thank you. We worship you because you are just and because you are good and because you are loving. And so we can trust your justice. And thank you for your mercy that you, that you delight in showing mercy. You don't do it begrudgingly. You don't do it angered or annoyed. You delight in showing mercy. God, thank you that you saw our greatest need. You saw our lostness and our brokenness and you said, I will fix it. And so all we have to do is trust you and to surrender our lives to you. So Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and our minds that you would rewire some beliefs that we have about who you are. In your son's name, amen.